At the end of the day, if we carry a load of guilt or sorrow with us from circumstances that we have no control over, that stuff will weigh us down. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours, send me, Lord. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro life ministry, and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Hey there, welcome to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. I'm Vicki Kosjork. I'm here with Daniel Parks. How's it going? So we're here in Charlotte, and as always, hoping to encourage and equip you with these uh, weekly podcasts. Mm-hmm. This one was really pretty interesting because three times this very week, three of our volunteers came to me with basically the same question, Yeah, and that's the, the crux of this, of this podcast. Okay. They they said they all three had seen some pretty awful things. We always see awful things right. on the sidewalk, but this was for them all pretty particularly awful and sorrowful. And they said, how do you fully engage your heart? Do what you need to do. Feel the level of compassion, the, the gravity of what you're facing while you're on the sidewalk. And then when your shift is up, disengage right. and be able to leave all that behind you, go home and live your life without guilt and without sorrow. Yeah. That's basically the crux of right. the crux of their question. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I think there's a sense in which as we talked about this episode before we started recording, mm-hmm. there's a sense in which you feel guilty mm-hmm. when you leave the sidewalk. Uh you feel guilty for kind of going on with your life, right? right. You yeah. feel guilty, okay, after you get done with the sidewalk, if you're there in the morning and you're hungry, you go eat lunch. Yeah. And like realizing, okay, I just left from a place mm-hmm. where babies were dying inside. And mm-hmm. now here I am at, you know, Chick-fil-A or McDonald's mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. eating lunch. Enjoying life. 52 right. babies died today, to tell you the truth. That that did happen today. Right. And they're all going out for lunch today to build team unity. And that's the disconnect. That yeah. it, That is what these three counselors said. How, how do we do this? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a very, to me, it's a telling question. Mm-hmm. It's... These people understand the gravity of what they're doing. Exactly. And I think that's a good thing. It's a mm-hmm. good thing that we don't just kind of, we're not doing this to check a box. And right. I would say the vast majority of people that are involved in this ministry are not just checking a box. Right. right. They're doing it because their hearts are engaged. Yeah. And so I guess the crux of the issue is how do you, how do you keep your heart soft before the Lord without hardening your heart? How do you deal with the guilt of like, yeah. you just left a place that babies are dying and. Even sometimes no babies were saved. We don't know that lives were changed. Yeah. And go home, for example, and play with your own kids. Like there's just this weightiness there Mm -hmm. that I think is a necessary weightiness, but it's also necessary that we deal with it. And like we've always said, we cannot be driven by guilt. We cannot be driven by guilt. Now, does God use guilt and can God use guilt in the lives of Christians to get them to do things that they're supposed to do? Yes, he can. God can use guilt. Guilt is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing as far as like an initial motivator, but it's a horrible sustainer. Right, right. <laughs> and so guilt might get you on the sidewalk, but it's not going to sustain you there. Yeah. What's going to sustain you there and keep you from going bonkers, because that's what can happen, 
is a love for Jesus and an acknowledgement of who Jesus is. Right. That he's the Lord over everything. Now, he's not controlling the abortionist forceps. He's not influencing the abortionist to kill babies, right? God's against that stuff. So God's not doing the wickedness, but he is Lord over everything, and he's going to right all the wrongs. It's not our charge to right all the wrongs. Yes, we should we should right the wrongs that are within our control, right. but what's within our control? Using our voice, mm-hmm. being out there, reaching out, offering literature, mm-hmm. uh, speaking the truth and love, proclaiming the gospel. Like We can do those things, but what's not in our control is the changing of a human heart. Yeah. Paul, the this man of God who <laughs> walked more closely with God than probably anybody, said that basically all he's doing is planting seeds and watering seeds. Yeah. And God gives the increase. So even Paul, a man of faith and power who God used to turn the world right side up, realized that he couldn't do more than just plant seeds and water. Yeah. As a matter yeah. of fact, at one point he says, and I'm, I'm going to butcher the scripture. It's in First Corinthians, I believe, the first couple of chapters. But he talks about people who are rebellion against God and people who are receptive toward God. And he says, to one, we are the fragrance of life unto life, and to the other, the fragrance of death leading to death. And then he says, who is sufficient for these things? The question is like a rhetorical question. We're not sufficient. We're the fragrance of life to life, death to death. Like we're going to be received in some ways. We're going to be rejected in some ways. Who's sufficient? Like who can do this work? Nobody can. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, he can do it through us. And so we've got to be yielded to him. And so I guess what I'm getting to is it's not our job to change hearts. We can't take ownership of the babies that were, like we said, we don't take ownership of the victories or glory in God mm-hmm. for the victories that are wrought. But we can't take glory for those things. It's God doing the work. Yeah. In the same way, we can't take ownership of the apparent defeats, like 52 yeah. babies dying. Yeah. Those women, those men that are associated with that, the abortionists, the abortion workers, all they're accountable to God. We warned them. We shared the truth. And it's between them and the Lord. We did what we were called to do. We planted seeds. We watered seeds. It's between them and the Lord if the increase comes. Yeah. So once again, we could probably stop right here. Daniel has summarized in five minutes what my, <laughs> my long article. But actually, we do have an article yeah. that accompanies this. And what Daniel did, I think, and what you always do so well is kind of give a summary of, of the issue. Yeah. And, um, and what I did in this article was I really thought through... How do I deal with it? Because I, of course, I have to deal with this. Anyone who's been out here for any length of time has had to deal with this. And I kind of broke it down into the steps of how I deal with it. Okay. Um, and I'm sure you'll have some stuff to add to that. But, yeah. but, um, well, I hope to be able to teach you guys something at the end. Hopefully, we'll yeah. have enough time. Yeah. We'll try and leave time. Teach for you that. kind of like, you know, I've taught about putting on the armor of God yeah. and, and that sort of thing. And it's just something the Lord's taught me over the years. I don't think I'm great or anything, but the Lord's been very gracious to teach me some things and just ways to pray that help me to yeah. process and unwind my mind and kind of, like the Bible says, cast my cares on the Lord. Yeah. Uh, because we have to do that. So I'm going to teach you guys maybe a little something from the Gospel of John that that I do on a regular basis that really helps me, and hopefully it'll help you guys. Okay, that would be a great way to to end yeah, to end all so. this, but I I think the very first step is to acknowledge the horror, 
Don't deny it. Don't yeah. pretend it's not there. It is there. This is a grievous, unspeakable sin, yeah. uh, unbearable sin, knowing what really happens out there. And I think to just kind of gloss over that fact doesn't help us. I think right. we have to first acknowledge, yes, yeah. what we are facing is absolute horror. Right. Yeah. And it grieves the heart of God deeply. And that's part of why we're coming back out. We yeah. recognize the incredible depravity that that we are seeing day after day. So yeah. like in, in all, this isn't an illness, the question that they're asking, it's how to cope. But in right. anything that needs to be um, healed in a way, they're asking, how do I heal from this? Yeah. Well, the first step in any healing is acknowledge that that this is an assault. This yeah. is this is horrible. I think right. at some point in this article, I say it's clear that there are mothers that are being wounded. Babies are clearly being wounded. Sure. Yeah. But what we do need to recognize is so are we. So yeah. are we as yeah. we're watching yeah. this. And I think, yeah. too, one of the kind of, I guess, perspective things that we need to understand is, yes, this is horrible to us. It grieves our hearts. Mm-hmm. But how much more does it grieve the heart of right, God? Right. Like God, God created these children in his image. Yeah. He formed them in their mother's womb. And he's actually seeing, because the Bible says the eye of the Lord is in every place. He's seeing the, the, the graphic and the gruesome reality that's happening. We're... We're spared from seeing that, right, for the most part. Yeah. And we don't see all the repercussions. Yeah. We don't see yeah. all the family members, all the society, all of the, all of yeah. the effects, and God does. Yeah. And so if it yeah. grieves our heart, how much more the heart of God? So it just helps us to just know that the Lord is in this grief with us. He is. and But we can't stay there. We can't rest. We can't abide in that grief yeah. because we'll never be effective. Yeah. So the second thing I think you touched on really well was we need to recognize our role. Right. In the in the face of this grief, what is our role and what's God's role? Yeah. Yeah. And you've already said that perfectly. Our role is to show up, to speak, to do everything that we are biblically commanded to do in expressing truth, compassion, offering yeah. help. But we're not responsible for the results. Those are totally up to God. And the third step really blends into that, which is look for God. And what I mean by that, we've talked about that in other podcasts, looking for God, looking for his miracles. They are always there, even in the darkest of darkest place. God is always there. And if you seek him, you will find him and you can see him moving, even if it's not a saved baby. Yeah. Like, think about the little things, the fact that there's a friend next to you who maybe puts her arm around you and notices yeah. your tears, yeah. knows that you're sad and is is uh, is there to offer help. And yeah. um, the fact that team members show up at all. Right. The fact that a mom ever stops and takes our literature. Every one of those things are miracles. Yeah. And if you start to look at, look for the miracles, I think it helps you to see past the darkness. I think so too. Yeah. We do kind of look at, and certainly the wins, the big wins, or when people come to the Lord, when babies are saved, right? Those are, those are big wins. But sometimes we miss sort of, I guess the little wins, but they're they're kind of big wins. So some of the things we get to see is churches getting mobilized. Churches, I was in a church just um, a couple of nights ago. Mm -hmm. It was one bigger church here in Charlotte, a church that about 10 years ago, I would have said is never going to be involved. That pastor is never going to talk about abortion. He's never going to deal with the issue forthrightly. 
I was in a service the other night where the pastor was plainly from the pulpit calling abortion murder. Wow. And plainly saying the church, we need to do something and step up. Yeah. Opening up the whole service to talk about the issue of abortion. They've adopted a week with Love Life. That's like a massive victory. Yeah. Another victory I just uh, heard from my team in Northern California in Antioch there. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a guy who now is volunteering on the sidewalk. He's kind of getting trained up to volunteer on the sidewalk. He was driving by the local Planned Parenthood, and the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart. In essence, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Where are you at when this mm-hmm. thing's happening? Where's my people? And so he saw, ended up seeing the team out there, Got uh, actually came to a prayer walk, got plugged in to do sidewalk outreach, and was broken over the fact that he has done nothing about abortion, yeah. and now he's doing something. Yeah. So those are victories, like you're talking about. Yeah. People standing next yeah. to you, mm-hmm. God's building mm-hmm. a, a team of people in your mm-hmm. city, maybe slowly but surely he's building that team, and that's something to glory in as well. So I'm going to yeah. share a scripture okay. that I think is helpful. And um, I hope I can find it here in Philippians. And uh, this is Paul the Apostle encouraging the the church in Philippi to meditate on the things, to think on the things that are good. Because mm, we can, I was yeah, I was just sharing with yeah. my family last night, we're going yeah. through the, uh, doing a scripture a day, just kind of talking through it. I'm kind of teaching my family through it. And this is was the scripture for yesterday. And just telling my kids and my wife, like how our minds gravitate toward the negative. Look at news. All right. All the news is negative because they know that's how they get ratings yep. and stuff. Yep. And so our minds, the human mind gravitates toward the negative. And so Paul says here, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of, are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, worthy, Meditate on these things. Amen. And so yeah. he's not just talking about kind of letting your mind just you know, freeing your mind. No, he's, he's talking not saying about, think about like what you're going to eat when you yeah, get home. He's right. saying, look right here. Yeah. At there is something lovely here. Focus yeah. on what that is. Focus on, meditate on, yeah. think on the things that are lovely. Even out yeah. on the sidewalk, 52 yeah. babies dying. Yeah. But are there some things that we can meditate on, mm-hmm. that we can have a thankful heart toward God that mm-hmm. are happening? Yes. Mm-hmm. God is raising up an army of people. Yeah. God's word is going forth. Yeah. Right? There's a You have a team that's with you in this thing. They're speaking truth yeah. despite being taunted and ridiculed. They are speaking truth. How many people will do that? What amazing people yeah. we get to stand alongside. Yeah. Those are good and worthy and noble things to think Absolutely. upon and to dwell upon. Um, this That feeds into the fourth uh, thing that I, I came up with, what I do anyway, is trust by faith, not by sight. Yeah. We are told the word of God never returns void. We are planting seeds. We are speaking the word of God. Very briefly, I come from the perspective of being an atheist, agnostic at best, and there were so many people that witnessed to me early in my life. And as a non-believer, I remember making fun of them, taunting them, even sometimes to their face. I was downright nasty to some of them. but And some of them I never knew. They were strangers. But as I look back, once I came to the Lord, every one of them, God brings them to my mind. I remember those faces. I remember yep. those things they said that I made fun of. And I didn't even know their name, but God does. And they were planting seeds that did come to fruition many years later. Trust that we are doing the same. Yeah. yeah. God's word never returns void. Amen. Yeah. Um, 
I think a fifth thing is to keep an eternal perspective. I think that is really important. Remember, who wins? Who wins in the end? Everything will be made right. Justice will be served. Every wrong righted. Everyone will basically give an accounting for their life. And and Jesus has the victory. He's had the victory. He's had the victory ever since he rose from the grave um, and overcame death, proved he was Lord. Satan was defeated at that moment. So um, we know that God has the victory, and we need to cling to that perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah, some some preachers have said, and I think it's good to say this: we are battling from a place of victory. Yes, right. Yes, so we're already yeah. victorious. If you're in yeah. Christ, yeah, you get everything that He gets. Yeah, and if you're in Christ, eternal victory is won. Right. right. You don't have yeah. to fight for your own salvation. Right. You don't have to fight for favor with God. You're already in. And Jesus has already won the battle between the devil. Yes, the devil's still lying and doing his thing currently, but he knows his time is up very soon. And we're on Jesus' side. So we're winners because Jesus is is the winner. We're victorious in him. Now, that doesn't mean we lay down our, you know, and go eat chocolate cake and right. <laughs> we are still called to to the battle sure. un- until it has been all played yeah, out yeah but, but battling but, from a place of victory correct yeah. and so and we know the ending we know god wins um things that we can think about did you show up did you speak his truth did you conduct yourself in a ma- manner worthy of the lord are yeah. you faithfully presenting jesus as his ambassador yeah. and if you've done those things Praise God. Those those are all keeping an etern- eternal perspective. Right. The last thing, and then we'll get into your little um, scenario that you wanted to tell us, is at, when it's over, when you have finished what, you, what you've been doing on the sidewalk, brush off the dust of that place and find something where you abide in and recharge in the Lord yeah. that you love, something enjoyable. Maybe it's a, you're just being with your family. For me, I've said this many times, it's it's being alone on the river in my kayak. But, um, but do find that thing that restores your, um, your spirit, your yeah. soul in, in God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so two things okay. that help me, mm-hmm. and they, they tie into one another. And I'll share this these things with you guys. And in my mind, this is, okay, the scenario is I'm leaving the abortion center, right? I've just dealt with the heaviness of seeing 60 people go into the abortion center. I remember years back on a Saturday when I was out there volunteering, there would be 60, sometimes 75 people I remember there. those days. They would be those parking were really out on the hard. street. The parking yeah. lot was so full. Yep. And that was heavy. And yep. then on top of that, of course, you have pro-abortion people yelling at you and all kinds of false accusations. And you know, I, I remember scenarios where I saw a young girl. She had to have been 12, 13 years old. Mm. Her, I guess it was her mom or grandma or whoever was driving her into the abortion center. And as she was pulling in, the young lady got out of the back of the car and took off running. Mm. And uh, she obviously didn't want to have the abortion. Right. And I've seen a couple of scenarios like that. Yeah. The grandma, the mom or whatever went after her in the car, got her in the car. We called the police to, hey, this girl's being forced to have an abortion. Police didn't do anything. Either they couldn't do anything or whatever. That was heavy. So stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You've gotten cussed out by Mm -hmm. someone. You're just trying to offer them help and they're cussing you out and they're accusing you of all these things. Again, the pro-abortion people are accusing you of all kinds of things, right? And that stuff sometimes 
it'll kind of stick to you. You don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. It'll kind of stick to your psyche, right? It'll Mm -hmm. start to, if you're not careful, these false accusations and the things that people say about you, um, you know, about you, Icky Vicky. Icky Vicky. (laughs) Yeah. They call me (laughs) Little D. Trying to, you know, these people, these pro-abortion people are really just bullies that yeah. when they were in school, it wasn't really socially acceptable to yeah. bully people. And now it is because we're in opposition to them. So they're just bullying people yeah. and all of that. And you think, well, it doesn't really affect me. And for the most part, if you've been out there for long enough, it, it really doesn't because you've learned to kind of not take it personal and not you know, kind of pray these things off of you. But still, these things can stick to you mm-hmm. and you don't realize it. And they start to define you and mm-hmm. they start you start to think, OK, am I actually like that? Mm-hmm. Am I actually harassing people? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I am. I'm not trying to harass you. You know, these things will kind of stick in your psyche yeah. and uh, start to weigh you down. And so one of the things that I do, and I try to be conscious about this, especially if I've had some kind of heated thing happen at the abortion center, somebody yelling at, in my face or threatening me or whatever it might be. Is when I'm leaving the abortion center, I do something called debriefing with Jesus, mm-hmm. okay? And this is me praying back to the Lord the things – the Bible says, again, the eye of the Lord is in every place. He sees everything. He knew it all. He knew it before it was going to take place, right? Right. But it does help you to get it out of your psyche, out of your mind, out of your heart, and kind of cast your cares on the Lord to pray it back to the Lord. Lord, you heard, you saw that person come at me and threaten me. You heard what they, they accused me of, Lord, and I just want to bring it before you, God. So I'll just be mm-hmm. kind of rehearsing what happened, if, especially if it was an intense situation, and just debrief it with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And even if there's some things I need to repent of, because sometimes mm-hmm. there are. The, yeah. the devil can really get you on that. If you got in the yeah. flesh or something, mm-hmm. listen, just because you got in the flesh, and you responded in a way maybe you shouldn't have responded. Maybe you responded, you snapped back at somebody. That does not disqualify you for being on the sidewalk. Let right. me just say that. Okay. Right. But you might need to repent before the Lord. Just just bring it to the Lord and you mm-hmm. can do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing, debriefing with Jesus. That's a good one. Yeah. But this is kind of taking it to the next step, to the next level, I mm-hmm. guess. And and this is really a powerful thing. And, and I call it... <laughs> This is kind of you know how I encourage people asking Jesus to wash your feet, mm. and it comes out of John chapter thirteen. And I can there's a whole you know, like teaching I can do with this, but I, I won't go into all of that. But kind of the picture is one of barnacles, ships that are in water, seawater. By virtue of the fact that they're in water, they get these barnacles on them. And these barnacles cause drag on the ship. Actually, it costs us about $50 million a year in the United States of America to deal with barnacles and also the fuel inefficiency on our naval ships that barnacles cause. So those barnacles have to be removed so that that ship can glide through the water like it needs to. Great symbolism. Love (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah. And so the barnacles need to be removed Mm -hmm. or they'll cause drag. They just not the ship's not doing anything wrong. Right. It's where it's supposed to be. It's in the water. On the sidewalk, we're not doing anything wrong. We're doing what God's called us to. Just yeah. by virtue of the fact that we're on the sidewalk, just living in a sinful world, there's going to be barnacles that attach themselves to us. Yeah. Um, I think Jesus gives the example of, of dirty feet here in John mm-hmm. chapter 13. So John chapter 13, the disciples are in the upper room with Jesus. Jesus gets a basin and a towel and begins to wash their feet. We all know the scenario, right? Mm-hmm. This is during the, the Last Supper here mm-hmm. in John chapter 13. And he comes to Peter and Peter says, you're not going to wash me, right? You're not washing my feet because after all, I should be washing your feet. That's kind of what, what Peter's implying here. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 8, he says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Mm. Well, Peter in his zeal says, okay, Lord, not my feet, then everything. Just, <laughs> okay, I want to have a part with you. Like, Lord, I want to I serve you. I want to follow you, right? And he says in verse 10, he says, he who was bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You're clean, but not all of you. And uh, so he's talking, I don't want to shift gears too much. He's talking about um, his betrayer. He's talking about Judas is not clean. But he's saying, right. in essence, guys, you're clean because you're you're my disciples. Like, you're clean from the sin of the world. Like, you've been washed. Right. He's talking about, ultimately, his sacrifice on the cross and what that's going to do to take care of the problem of sin. But he's saying, you don't need to be clean, the, the whole of you. Listen, believer in Jesus, follower of Jesus, son or daughter of God, you're already clean. You're washed in the blood of Jesus because of your faith in him. But sometimes you need to have your feet washed. Sometimes you need some maintenance to happen, just like that ship. It needs some maintenance, it needs the barnacles removed. Sometimes just by virtue of the fact that you're walking through a dirty, dusty, sinful world, you get stuff on your feet, mm-hmm. right? That's the picture here. You yeah. can take a bath in those days and just walking from the place where you took your bath to the house, you're going to get dirt on your feet because they didn't have paved roads and gravel right. and all that stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. So just by virtue of the fact that you're walking in the world, just by virtue of the fact that you're on the sidewalk, you're going to get barnacles, you're going to get dirt. Sin, stuff's going to stick to you. Stuff that other people say, stuff that other people do, it's going to stick to you and, and start to try to define you and weigh you down. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned to do is to sit before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And just like Jesus, remember, in this passage, Jesus not only washed John and James and Peter's feet, but he also washed the feet of Judas, Judas his betrayer. Right. Yeah. If he would wash Judas' feet who betrayed him, how much more would he wash your feet? Right. As you're serving him, as you're doing the mm-hmm. best you can to love and serve Jesus and serve people and love them. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is I get alone. And I sit in a chair and I just say, Lord, would you please just wash my feet? And I mm-hmm. might I might voice some of those things that, you know, kind of stuck in my mind. I'll, I'll ask the Lord, like, Lord, bring anything to my mind that I've let stick to me mm-hmm. that's defining me. Mm-hmm. Circumstances, people's opinions, uh, false ideas, these things. Like, bring anything to mind. And I'll just bring those things before the Lord in prayer. And I'll just say, Lord Jesus would you just come and would you wash my feet? Would you wash the stuff off of me, Lord? If there's anything I need to repent of, Lord, I, w- I repent right now. And if he brings it to mind, just repent of it. Mm-hmm. Be specific. But also, if there's anything that's defined me, Lord, would you wash my feet? And I would mm-hmm. actually literally do put my feet out in front of me. And I just mm-hmm. imagine. God has given us an imagination. There in the, in no, the I don't have the basin okay. and, 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 and a towel. I let the Lord bring those things. Okay. Um, but I use my imagination. The yeah. imagination is a powerful thing, yeah. and it's a God-given thing, and yeah. we can imagine Jesus. And I believe there's a spiritual sense. Let me not get kooky and weird here, guys. But there's a spiritual sense in which the Lord does that. Like, He graciously removes that stuff from my yeah. mind. Yeah. And I feel a weight lifted from me. I feel like, you know, that ship, you can imagine mm-hmm. that ship that's had the barnacles mm-hmm. scraped off of it, and now it's it's smoothly gliding through the water, right? right? You're ready to... Go at it again the yeah, next yeah. day then. Or that person right. that has this buildup of cake mud yeah. on their feet mm-hmm. and they don't know what's dragging them down. But in mm-hmm. reality, it's like that's that mud. Yeah. And the Lord just comes and washes that stuff off. Yeah. And I believe the Lord will do that. So I want to encourage all of you guys, if you've never mm-hmm. done that, mm-hmm. I want you to do that. I want to yeah. encourage you, just get before the Lord in quietness, alone, 
and just let the Lord bring those things to mind that may have stuck to you mm-hmm. and just bring it to your mind and just imagine Jesus washing that thing off of your feet. Yeah. Yeah. And then and do even, this on a regular basis, I would say. Even, let me ask you, because as you're talking, I'm thinking so much of what these people expressed to me was it was sorrow. It wasn't so much the attacks yeah. and the dirt. It was the sorrow. And I was thinking when you said um, uh, anger, I forget what you said, will never be a motivator. Well, neither will sorrow. Right. Sorrow will not be what will motivate you to keep coming back. Yeah. Joy will. Yeah. Joy in the Lord. And there's many verses about joy in the Lord. But would you do that in your feet washing thing? Would you would you say, please wash away even the sorrow? Yeah. 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 I mean, when I'm debriefing with the Lord or when I'm doing this before the Lord, I'll say things like, God, you saw that young lady walk in and her heart was broken. And yeah. And the fact that she was going to take the life of her child and she thought there was no hope. You know, you saw this, you saw that. All of that stuff, anything yeah. That kind of weighs you down. It could be sorrow of what other people are doing to themselves, what they're mm-hmm. doing to others, mm-hmm. what's been done to you. So, yeah, just not not just stuff that's been done to you, but stuff that you've seen. It's like yeah. at the end of the day, if we carry a load of guilt or sorrow with us from circumstances that we have no control over, that stuff will weigh us down. Right. You don't have yeah. control over other people and what they do. And so we've got to just bring those things um, to Jesus to wash off of us so that those things don't weigh us down. That's the point. So yeah. Sorrow, shame, guilt, anger, failures, victories, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got to bring it to the Lord and ask him to wash us. And uh, I believe he'll do it. Yeah, that's good, Daniel. That's yeah. great. So, guys, hopefully this episode was a blessing to you guys. And we encourage you to share this episode with whoever else you think it would be a blessing to We also encourage you to reach out to us. Maybe there's other subjects that you would like for us to cover. We'd love to cover those subjects. You can reach me, Daniel, at lovelife.org. You can reach her, Vicky, with a Y, at lovelife.org. Also, leave us a review if you're able to do that. That would be a tremendous blessing to us. But until next time, God bless. God bless you all. Give me an outlet for love. Give me I know it will cost me my life But nothing's too precious since I met you